Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, it's Ayers on the Road. We are here again. Sometimes we wish we were on video. Well, actually, no, no, we, we, don't. we usually don't. But I was just thinking in terms of um, we wish we could see you and you could see us each week. It would be more fun that way. Um, we are usually, when we're home in Park City, we usually do this from our kitchen bar. We just sit here and we look out at the mountains and the trees and we usually are drinking a smoothie. <laughs> which I used to call daddy drinks, which was sort of my contribution to breakfast every morning when all the kids were home. Remember? Right. I do remember the most famous daddy drink. Um, <laughs> I was on Thanksgiving morning and he still insisted on having a daddy. drink. I, the kids loved my daddy drinks. They and loved my smoothies. Our friends, our darling friends, our neighbors came over and they are Mexican. We, adore them have two darling little girls and and richard says eric here try this this daddy drink you're gonna love it and he drinks it and he looks kind of funny he says, no he did love it, it is it's it's great it's kind of spicy we and hadn't tasted it we hadn't tasted it he said it's spicy really and then we tasted it and went Ugh, couldn't even swallow it. World it and was just hot, red hot, a red hot oh smoothie. Oh my goodness! And he <laughs> had found he had what he thought was a frozen banana was a spicy sausage. <laughs> <laughs> it looked exactly like a frozen banana because Linda would all when the bananas would get old and black, she'd just put them in the freezer and I'd use them in smoothies and. <laughs> Well, I think it was a red hot. I mean, why did we even have such a red hot? I don't know, but it was not our favorite smoothie. But Eric loved it. Think how serendipity it was that the person we offered it to was a Mexican who loved really hot food, and (laughs) he wondered if he could have the whole thing. And we said, "Sure, none of us can drink it." (laughs) I don't know how we got off on that, but anyway, we're here. We are, and it's a, it's the third week in the month, which is usually the time we try to do a three-letter lesson for those of you who have listened for a long time. And for those of you who are new, what in the world is that? Well, we, we've got this sort of mental thing that we try to do as we're jogging each day or as we're exercising or whatever. And they're little word pegs that we think really matter and that uh, sort of remind us of a concept that we're trying to live by or um, a paradigm, an attitude that we're trying to follow in our lives. And we've got a really interesting one for you today. But before we get to it, oh, it's been a really busy week, I bet, for you as well as for us. School started where where we live this week, and and our Utah kids went back to school, some to elementary, some to secondary, some to middle school, some, some to, to high college. school, and two started college. Right. We have the cutest boy who, he just sent a picture, he has two big bags and a giant backpack and a sleeping bag and some <laughs> new glasses, and he's standing at Cambridge in Boston because he just is starting Harvard, and we are excited for him because... Um, you know, Harvard tends to be creative. So instead of a big, old, long, boring orientation, they are taking him on a camping trip, just like 
a dozen of them at a time, so a that lot, they can but there get are a lot of a lot of the freshman class is going to Maine, the Harvard freshman class for a week. They're going to go on a camping trip in Maine. That's their orientation, because they've decided that the important thing about orientation is that they get to know each other. And everyone knows that you there's nowhere you get to know people better than on a camping trip. <laughs> they <laughs> may find sure. out things about each other that they really don't want to know. <laughs> so we cannot wait to hear the result. It's going to be so fun. And then we have another granddaughter in college at UVU, which is the son. Granddaughter. The son just went to Cambridge. And this granddaughter is, is closer playing. to home. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> is playing volleyball at UVU, which well, is a university near us. And she's doing a fundraiser. She's already, <laughs> you've already bought a sweatshirt. Um, that's really good news because uh, when this begins, right? As grandparents, we really like to support these oh, we And when we get talking about grandkids, <clears throat> just forget it. We might never get to anything else because we tend to go on a little bit. We're just so, aren't we all so proud and so just thrilled? Aren't grandkids so delightful? And this is our six-foot granddaughter who is going to be playing. This is a Division One varsity volleyball program at UVU University University of Utah, Utah Valley, Valley. University <laughs> and down in Provo and wow is she excited and if none of you have really ever seen college varsity division 1 volleyball you should find a place and go because this is some kind of an athletic event I'm telling you <laughs> it is it's so much fun to watch we have then, of course, basketball nuts and baseball, football. But we have not done much about volleyball until our grandkids. <clears throat> our grandkids. And one of our grandsons played for BYU on the volleyball team. Yes, that <laughs> is true, Linda. And I wish we could show you a picture of these two. A picture really is worth a thousand words when you come to these kids starting college, their first day on campus and so on. Actually, we can show you a picture. We've invited you before, you Ayers on the Road listeners, and we're going to invite you again right now. Follow us on Instagram, because so often what we talk about on Ayers on the Road, we, we put a picture of it on, on Instagram, not because we're trying to connect the two necessarily, but just because you know both the, the podcast and the Instagram are just about what we're doing at the moment. And so today, in fact, last night, I hadn't even thought of this, but posted a picture there of uh, of Camden with all these bags, like you described it, Linda, trying to lug them over to his dorm before he goes on his orientation camping trip. And a picture of Claire in her uh, on the poster that BYU use, uh, that uh, UVU is using to advertise their first game, which is coming up. And there's Claire. And so we'd love to have you. I mean, you know, doesn't everyone want to show you pictures of their grandkids? I wish we had right. a slideshow. We could just show you our grandkids for hours. But but if you do, if you want to do that, if you want to do the uh, Instagram thing, it's just Richard Linda Iyer all strung together, and you'll find those pictures. Get on there and and follow us on there, and then you'll we'll have a visual. Each week when we do the podcast. Well, I hope it? tomorrow you put on our first grader. We are so excited yes. to have kids of all ages, <clears throat> grandkids also, 
The grandkids span is even better. The yeah. oldest is 25 and the babies are just turning one. So, yeah. it, and there's one of every age. Yeah. So you've got to put on Moses who just started first grade. First grade. We'll get Moses on there. And a couple that just started preschool this year. You're right. We've got them at every level. They're all starting. And by the way, with that span of grandkids ranging in age from one to 25, um, we, we're doing a grandparenting Zoom course. We've mentioned it before. I'm Let just me mention it again. Of mentioned it. Yeah, it's we're, <laughs> well. We're pretty excited about it because no one's, you know, grandparents are so into what they're doing, and most grandparents that we've and we've surveyed a lot of grandparents, and I'm telling you, they want to be more proactive. They want to be more difference making in their grandkids' life. We all do, but. There aren't many books or, or real. I mean, it's like there's no instruction manual for grandkids, and we're trying to provide one. We are we're starting this Zoom course called Grandparenting 101. It starts next month in September, and we would love to have you get involved with us, even if you're not a grandparent yet, because if you're a parent, you've got grandparents, and that's a tricky relationship, and we're going to get into that in this course. And all you got to do is go to grandparenting101.com and read all about it and join us. It's sign up for free. It's well, you know, when you're thinking about something, it's amazing how, <clears throat> sorry, something in my throat today. It's amazing how things just pop up when you're thinking about it. I went on a walk yesterday and I heard the most interesting um, podcast by a, a Bishop Jakes. It was called. He was. Um, oh, was, was this on the Oprah? Yes, yeah. on the Oprah um, podcast. And honestly, he just all of a sudden he just said, "You know, you, your kids, your kids." And he, I don't know if he he's a grandparent. It sounded like maybe, but he said they will go through your stuff. Uh, you can leave them your stuff, and they'll go through your stuff in a hurry. But what you need to leave oh, them when you die, you mean? Right. Yeah. Um, but what you need to leave them is what you think. And how you love them and what and you know how you feel about them and how they feel about you it really was stunning it was beautifully said so you know we are really into this and it's fun to think about it and talk about it together we just hope you'll join us grandparenting101.com now let's get to the three-letter lesson for today honey um in my hand, I'm holding a silver dollar. Maybe I could do a sound effect. Let's see. Can you hear that? Yeah. That's a silver dollar. And it's a 1921 silver dollar, which is the year they made a lot of Morgan silver dollars. And 1921 also happens to be the year that my father, Dean Iyer, was born. And so uh, last year when it was his 100th birthday, we did an interesting thing with all of our grandkids and with our children. We we gave them each a silver dollar, a Morgan 1921 silver dollar in, in honor of my dad's 100th birthday. And we said, let's all pick a word that we want to focus on for the coming year. And let's let's take a magic marker and let's write it on this silver dollar right above the 1921 and let's have that be our gift 
to Grandpa Dean on his 100th birthday. Let's have our gift, each of us give a gift of one quality we're trying to put into our lives, a word. It could be honesty. It could be uh, courage. It could be whatever the word is that you want to, a characteristic you want to work on this 100th year, this 100th anniversary of your great-grandpa Dean's uh, birthday. And it was really fun. Everyone everyone did it, and they shared what their word was, and we worked on them, um, focused on each on our own word. And the reason I'm telling you that is because my um, this silver dollar I'm holding, my word was meek, M-E-E-K, such a fascinating word, a word that, that Christ uh, used often and a word that, that – in in the, the worldly vernacular, sometimes is not a compliment. Someone's meek, or they're not they're not strong. The opposite of of forceful, but not in the biblical sense, not in the spiritual sense. Meekness is a submission to God's will, and it is a powerful word, a word that represents a commitment to following. The Lord Jesus Christ and, and following God's agenda rather than your own and remembering how humble we need to be in relationship to God. It's a it's a beautiful little word. But wait, <clears throat> people have got to be thinking meek is spelled M-E-E-K. That is not a three-letter word. Good point. Good point. How do you um, reckon with that? Well, as you know, in our three-letter words, we're very, very liberal and elastic when it comes to how we spell <laughs> things. So for today, the three-letter lesson is meek, M-E-K. Who needs the extra E anyway? Well, if you put a line over the E, yes, so right. that it's a long... Meek, not not mick. <laughs> not mech. <laughs> not mech. <laughs> meek. Meek. So we want to talk about this concept today of how incredibly powerful and beautiful this kind of meekness can be in in its spiritual sense and how to work that into our our minds we got to take a little break and when we come back we'll go both feet into the idea of this this three-letter word m-e-k and how it ought to impact our our families and our life as parents and grandparents so hang on we'll be right back Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. Um, we are having fun talking about a new word, a new spelling for a word that we love. Now, Linda, let me just start off by embarrassing you a little. I, I think anyone who knows Linda would say, anyone, <laughs> let's be blunt here, okay? Anyone who knows both of us would say, that's a word you need to work on, Richard. Linda, that's probably not a word you need to work on. Linda has a remarkable quality of, of powerful meekness where people are not intimidated by you, even though you could be intimidating because you've accomplished so many things, but you have a way of approaching people and of living and of behaving that people are drawn toward. They're never... They're never jealous of you. Who knows why? But they're not, and it's a it's a beautiful quality that I think is meekness. How do you, how do you do that? Well, I think 
when you come who you are. You know, we keep saying that's for kids. They come who they are. But we are now kids who've grown up. <laughs> we still are who we are. And I, that's that's a good quality in some ways. But for me, it's it's not so good in other ways because you make up for me. Because if somebody says, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. I say, okay, okay, what what do you want me to do? And if somebody <laughs> says to you, okay, you can't do that, we're like, okay, wait, let's think about this again. Um, <laughs> and it, it is always, where you're always able, not always, but most of the time, you're able to turn things around. So I think meekness is a great, great quality, but I might have it too. And access because I will just do anything anybody wants me to do. No, 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 no. That no. You're it's in you. It's a strong quality. Nobody treads on you. That's for sure. But I, I see your point, and maybe I can get credit in the judgment day for your meekness because we're married. Maybe it will be judged in one oh. thing, and I'll get credit. Oh, that was good. Yeah. But we want to read you a couple things from a. An essay. By the way, this is an essay in a new book that's coming out sometime early next year. We hope early. And it's a collection of essays on um, essentially essays on unity, uh, on some of the divisions that have occurred in our society and uh, that are so deep. A lot of people think we're the most divided we've ever been in this country and in many places across the world. And this is a book on on unity and and our part of the essay we're contributing to the book has to do with this quality and so let's read you a few things and then comment on these um and in in a religious or spiritual paradigm um carry on from there linda and let's get into this because ours <laughs> relates to family as you might guess and as you might have guessed we are also strongly religious um but in the hopefully in the best sense of the word but in this paradigm family is not only the basic unit of our society culture and economy but of our eternity we believe that family goes on after death family is the gift of mortality that makes us potentially more like our heavenly parents and in his classic purpose summarizing couplet our president Nelson, the president of our church, and we believe a prophet, tells us that gospel is home-centered, church-supported, mirroring the earlier metaphor of an earlier prophet who called the church the scaffolding with which we build eternal families. So the point is not that we should have expectations of never disagreeing with family members because we're focused here on unity within families, and not that we should beat ourselves up with discouragement when there is contention in our homes, because that, that happens in all homes. Rather, the point is understanding that all of our hopes and efforts and strivings for unity should peak in our immediate and extended families, because that is the place that matters most. So the big question is how, how can people stop being as divided as they are, particularly within their homes. Because if, if we can get rid of the dissension in our families, that'll carry over into our very divided society that we live in. So uh, here's, a, here's a couple of thoughts on that. Lovely as they are, we might also find some darker, ironic humor in some of the lyrics in our hymns in our church. One of them is called Love at Home. And uh, this we've sung 
all the time since we were little children. And it goes like this. In the cottage, there is joy. Peace and plenty here abide, smiling sweet on every side. Time to softly, sweetly glide. And then going on, all the earth, the garden sweet, making life a bliss complete. And then we are always tempted when we hear that last stanza to say, when there's no one home. I mean, it <laughs> usually it should say when there's love at home, but um, it is more peaceful when there's no one. <laughs> so we all know that families with their close quarters, different personalities, interlaced responsibilities and obligations sometimes seem to be the perfect breeding ground for dissension and division and disagreement and, and, and disunity. And some other some other song lyrics actually come to mind, Linda. I could almost sing it, but I'll spare you that. We well, we always hurt the ones we love. That's a line, and then there's a newer song that says, "Tell me why we hurt the ones we love the most." So, family unity, family disagreement, family division is really a big problem. Um, is there a simple solution for a problem as complex and varied as contention and discord in a family? Or is it a complicated, multifaceted monster that can only even be approached by a combination of prayer, therapy, spiritual counseling, and blessings? And while all these things are important and anything else, we should apply any any kind of help we can in our quest for family peace and unity but the premise of this little essay is that there's actually one thing one single enormously effective and impacting solutional direction that we ought to try to understand and apply because it's so simple in its premise and its concept but it may be the hardest of all forms of self-improvement and here's the thing. It's something called nothingness. Which goes right into meekness. I mean, that that's the whole concept of I'm really nothing. Um, just fill my soul with what I need, and I'll try to go forward and help others with it. Letting God prevail instead right. of you, trying to operate on his wavelength, not ours. A lot of people don't like the word nothingness. I mean, initially, it sounds like a put-down. It sounds like I'm not important. And, and, of course, we are important. We're children of God. But the nothingness we're contemplating here is what the Scriptures speak of as non-compelled humility. There's a Scripture that says, Blessed are they who are compelled to be humble, but more blessed are they who are humble without being compelled. It's it, it, the thing we want to explore in the last few minutes today is can a person acquire by the sheer effort of his soul this quality of meekness, this quality of nothingness? And and I and, and we're going to read you a little more of this scripture because it is incredibly powerful. And it, it's it, in this scripture, it says, it makes one admonition, just one simple admonition. And then it goes on and gives 17 promises, Linda. Seven, one, you do one thing, and this scripture promises you 17 rewards for it. It's quite amazing. And here's the admonition. 
Um, this is the challenge. This is the admin, the, the one thing that all these promises are based on. Remember and always retain in your remembrance the greatness of God and your own nothingness. And we're using nothingness as a synonym for our, our word today, our three-letter word, meekness or meek. And so we really think that in all of Scripture that that we have, in addition to uh, the scriptures that we read daily, is that we it must be the most this this little phrase must be the most consequence connected and promise laden advice ever given. In verse twelve, it connects that single direct admonition to seventeen remarkable promises. It makes the if then, if you do this, then this will happen connection clearly and directly. If ye do this, remember your own nothingness. Ye shall, or ye will, and then the proffered promises are comprehensive. So here there are all 17 of them. We're going to read them off to you. And as we do, think of this. I mean, these are the most magnificent promises in all of Scripture. And keep in mind that they are promised to those who remember their own nothingness or who obtain this quality of meekness and remember to worship God in his greatness. So the the preface on all these verses is, ye shall, if you do this, if you remember your own nothingness and the greatness of God, then ye shall, number one, always rejoice. Number two, be filled with the love of God. Number three, retain a remission of your sins. Number four, grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you. Number five, grow in the knowledge of that which is just and true. Number six, not not have a mind to injure one another. Number seven, live peaceably. Now, again, these are not admonitions. These are promises, these are promises that yeah. will come to you if you do the conditional thing. Remember your own nothingness. Have that meekness quality. What were we up to? Seven? Also, render to every man according to that eight. which is his due. Number nine. Not suffer your children that they go hungry or naked. Number ten. Not suffer that your children transgress the laws of God. Number 11. Nor fight and quarrel one with another. Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> and number 12. Nor serve the devil. So think of those 12, and then there's still five more to go. But a lot of people read this particular scripture and think those are admonitions. Don't suffer your children. They should go hungry and naked. Um, you know, be with sure they follow the laws of God. But these are actually, again, read in context, and it can't, it really can't misinterpret it because it says, if you do this, remembering your own nothingness and meekness, then, and then these promises are listed. So if we want to have less contention in our homes, if we want to have less division in our extended families, that's what these promises are, that if we can... Uh, individually, particularly as parents and grandparents, adopt and learn and inculcate into our souls this quality of humbleness, of, of meekness, of putting God first, of putting others first, of being meek, of being uh, remembering our nothingness, then these things flow from that. They are natural consequences of that. 
And then there's a, so, so those particular, those 12 all start out with ye shall. And then there's a few more that follow that start out with ye will. If you remember your nothingness, then ye will. Teach your children to walk in the ways of truth and soberness. That's number 13. Number 14. Teach them to love one another. You will do this if you have this quality. Number 14, right? 13. Teach them to serve one another. And number 14. Or number 15. I think we're, yeah. Number 15. And also, you yourself will succor those that stand in need. Oh, that's good. If you yeah. have that nothingness, you right. become a charitable person. You right. become, and we could go through all these and talk about how they flow naturally and how the opposite effect flows from an egocentric sort of I'm the one that matters um, opposite paradigm. And the last one. Ye will not suffer that the beggar putteth up his petition to you in vain. Wow. I mean, this was written at a different time in a different place, hundreds of years ago, thousands probably. And it really is amazing that it applies. I mean, obviously some of this language is, is old language, but it applies to us in our lives today. And um, that's a pretty big order. It took a long time to go through it. And we're, we're basically out of time, Linda, but the whole idea of um, the flow. In fact, I think we're going to have to continue this a little bit next next podcast because there's there's more to be said about this ability to find a strong form of leading, become a meek leader, become. You know, don't forget that one of the things say the Savior said in the Sermon on the Mount was that the meek will inherit the earth. Right. And we've got a long way to go on that. So, and, and to become a meek parent is a tall order. Oh boy! Oh boy! It's a tall it's order. A tall so, order. yeah, we'll continue that. We'll continue that next week as we carry on. And in the meantime, be th- I think this will be good. Actually, think about because this is a paradigm shift, adopting nothingness and meekness as a conscious goal, particularly in your home, in your parenting, in your grandparenting, is a is a little counterintuitive in some ways. A lot of us think we have to be in charge. We have to be strong. We have to be powerful. So so this is something to think about for a week. And, and next time we'll pick up on this and continue on with this concept of meek yet powerful parenting and grandparenting. So thank you for joining us today. We hope you, we've given you something to think about. It makes us think pretty hard, too. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Irish on the Road. Bye till then. Bye.